so it's probably like 4 a.m. after all the driving. Maybe like 10 minutes before we get to the venue, we're on the highway, and then everything just stops. There was like a big crash like ahead of us, like a big pile up. Some of the cars were on fire, I think. Like it was really, really bad. So then we were stranded there on the highway for the next like five hours. General admission is 10 a.m. And we ended up getting at the venue at 9.55. What up, y'all? You're listening to episode 10 of Canned Heat. On this show, we highlight people who are paving a new path in the world of vintage clothing. I'm Michael Slater, a content creator and vintage reseller based in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And on this episode, I had the privilege of sitting down with the power couple behind Resilient as they were in town to vend at a local event. In fact, Sophia and Gerardo spend a lot of their time traveling for events, and that was one of the reasons I really wanted to pick their brain, to hear what it's like for a young couple to take their vintage shop on the road all over the country. We also talk about their pivot from sneakers to vintage in 2020, uh, an inexpensive product that they introduced to their inventory that's really started to set them apart, and how they create video content that really cuts through the noise and speaks directly to their customers. It's a really great conversation. I should mention that this is our first standard episode in a few months. If you listen to episode nine, you heard us talk about Erin being pregnant. Well, we had a baby. Her name is Emery and she is absolutely perfect. As you can imagine though, we have been quite busy over here adjusting to our new life as a family of four. So thank you for all of your patience. I've started to book guests again, and I'm super excited about the future of this show. So please stay tuned. On that note, don't forget to subscribe to Canned Heat wherever you listen. And if you could kind of take an extra step and leave us a review, it would really help us out. Okay, shameless plug over. Here's my conversation with Resilient. here with Gerardo and Sophia of Resilient, all the way from Houston. Uh, I believe we first met in Houston at Dated Faded Worn, and uh, we've ended at some of the same events mm-hmm. since then. So uh, why don't you all tell me about yourselves? How did you meet? Well, we met at a church. Um, I think I was a junior in high school, and uh, Gerardo was a senior, and uh, we met at church. And we were a very, we are a very unconventional couple. Um, I'm very like bright and very outgoing, very extroverted. And Rado's the exact opposite. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and we met and I don't know, ever since we started dating, people noticed that we were the opposite. Um, but we started dating, um, we met each other. And we only knew each other for like two weeks and then we started dating and we've been together for three years now. Um, and before like any of this, neither of us were into vintage. The closest thing was I was the one into like sneakers and hype, but, gotcha. um, yeah, no, we met through church and we literally only knew each other for like two weeks. 
that's cool it's cool that you guys kind of had that connection right away yeah like that that's kind of how Aaron and I were too you know Aaron and I we've known each other for almost a decade now but even like knowing each other as well as we do it's still (laughs) it can be really tough to like run a business together so how has that been for y'all um most definitely uh (laughs) us being complete opposites it has this like pros and cons like um I would I'll start with the pros. Um, what is it? Um, we complete we think completely different. She's more creative minded. Uh-huh. I guess you can say like I don't know the difference between left brain and right, right brain. Right, right, right. But like for example, she's more creative sided. I'm more of like uh, intuitive thinker. Like I think straight to the point. And um, there are certain things like whenever it comes to like planning, like a when are we going to get there planning the booth what is it price tagging clothes like that's what i love to do uh-huh. but whenever it comes to like for example making tiktoks with her like <laughs> making the booth look pretty making sure it's aesthetically pleasing making sure like whenever people walk in and doesn't look wonky she does great at that and then at the same time with us thinking opposites we do butt heads just to be completely yeah, transparent sure. um but it's like it's for good reasons because she has her own ideas. I have my own ideas. And it's whenever we like mold it together, that's whenever we come up with resilient. That's whenever like it, the booth like excels or whenever we post things that excels, I feel like. Yeah, that's really cool. Like you kind of do need both people, yeah. right? Like you need both sides of the coin. And that's kind of how Aaron and I are too. Like I'm like super detail oriented <laughs> y'all could probably already <laughs> yeah. tell with like this audio setup and stuff like i'm just very meticulous and aaron's more just like it'll be fine it'll yeah. work out. <laughs> she's kind of talking me down you know off the ledge a little bit but i need that you know mm-hmm. and then like she's more free-spirited but like she might benefit from like me being like no like we need to take <laughs> care of this and get everything priced you know so it, it is that yin and yang kind of yeah. of relationships you mentioned Sophia's TikToks, which I think are maybe the best uh, TikToks in the vintage game. So, uh, Sophia, do you have a favorite that sticks out in your mind? <laughs> it was one. Yeah, I posted one. Um, and it's like, the sound is like, dur, 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 dur. and this is person like singing. And then it's uh, me dancing. And the caption is um, me um vibing with the crackhead yes. so i can buy a shirt <laughs> off of him um one thing i i try to reach with the tiktoks is um like i try to look at different content that circles around vintage and i notice that there's like a gap between vendor and consumer like yeah. all, the, all the vintage tiktoks i've seen are just like Oh, me, um, blah, 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 single stitch, blah, 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 (laughs) AOP. But a lot of like general, like the general public doesn't really know what that is. Of course. So I try to, um, kind of, I'm trying to bring that bridge together more. So just because like, um, I don't, I don't want it to be where I just make a bunch of, um, content that only people who are really into vintage understand, but more so where everyone can understand, um, and then also just using it as a platform to like help people understand what like little things in vintage mean that they don't even have to like, you know, submerge themselves into the whole vintage world, right. but that they can just like get a little joke or two. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I try to do with my TikToks and more so just like funny ones as well. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's just my favorite. It's, it's so smart that you're thinking about that because that's so true. Like I think as 
resellers like we kind of get so like deep into the culture mm-hmm. sometimes and the like language it's like we're speaking a foreign language yeah. and it's like you're you're like you said the consumer doesn't really understand all these little niche terms that you're mm-hmm. you're making so it's like you kind of have to make something that appeals to everyone so yeah. that's super funny and the crackhead one was gonna be my favorite yeah. <laughs> that's so good um little side note how long did it take you to film that oh my gosh it, it took me like maybe like an hour because like oh wow um and i remember it was like so hot outside i have no idea why i was wearing a sweatshirt and like corduroy <laughs> pants and doc martens um but yeah no it took me like an hour just more so because like i want it to be like, even though it's a TikTok, it's planned and everything. Sure. But I wanted it to be more so genuine, and I wanted the dancing to be on beat, and I just wanted it to be fun, free-spirited. So I usually film, like, 10 or more than 10, and then I have the same idea, and then I narrow it down from there. Nice. And then um, I try to... There's a lot of times where I made a TikTok, and it doesn't pop off, and then I refilm it, but I just word it differently, and it pops off. So I try to figure out what's the best way I can um, word it so it's like funny and it's like whenever you're making a TikTok you don't want to make the caption or whatever you're wording too long because then it loses like people's attention so I just try to make it as simple straight to the point and funny as I can so (laughs) yeah it took me like an hour yeah well it's it's really cool that you know you're kind of putting the thought into it and I, I think it definitely shows and reaches like a whole new group because like social media is just really going into that micro content Mm -hmm. micro video Mm -hmm. side and i'm not good at it (laughs) but (laughs) um you know i guess we can all try to learn as much as we can so i want to kind of go back to your roots a little bit um so 2020 y'all started as a sneaker page right and Mm -hmm. was that kind of like in like because of the pandemic like kind of trying to find something to do or like how did that how did you kind of get the idea to start doing sneakers essentially what is it like this goes back to when we first started dating like maybe a couple months into dating um little thing about sophia is she used to be a huge sneaker head like right now in her collection she probably has like 30 pairs maybe yeah Yeah, um so 30 pairs she's all about sneaker community like the culture surrounding it right me at the time i would wear a uniqlo t-shirt some skinny black skinny jeans and some white bands super basic (laughs) super basic outfits and i mean that's what i was comfortable with Mm -hmm. um and sophia i would see her wearing these shoes and stuff like that and i would think why is she buying so many shoes that's (laughs) absolutely like these are like 300 shoes why does she need like 20 plus um and one time it was during the it was before the travis scott one high release the initial pair and she's like you know you can buy that shoe and it'll go for like 800 dollars that's lowballing it right now yeah, but, yeah. and she's like um you buy it for 200 but they resell for 800 i'm like so you can make 600 dollars off of a shoe and here's my my uh <laughs> the gears on my brain yeah, are uh, yeah. turning and i was like what and i remember at the time i worked at starbucks uh in high school that's where i worked for a year and a half and i remember taking my lunch break sitting what is it um well i guess it was during breakfast because the sneakers released at nine sitting there trying to get the shoe i remember sneakers was bugging out of course i didn't get the shoe but i was just like i started thinking about the whole like sneaker reselling thing Uh 
And just from there, like I bought a couple of shoes and as I continue growing it, it was just, that's whenever we made resilient kicks and we're like, you know what, let me just sell some sneakers and stuff like that. At the time I was interning at the church where me and Sophia met. Uh-huh. So it's like with this interning, it's like a part-time thing. So I'm like, I'm having a part-time job and need a little extra cash. So let's sell some sneakers and yeah, essentially, that's how we got into that, like into the reselling sneakers side of things. So from there, you kind of found it your way into vintage, right? And was it just like you had a few vintage tees and then you got a few more and then you kind of saw the um, opportunity there and then kept kept going and growing it or? Yeah, so essentially, um, I remember one of our first uh, shows um we always were interested in vintage because I know Sophia has always been thrifting. Uh, I would watch. I remember I saw Paul Cantu's video. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was like how to make a thousand dollars thrifting. Yeah, yeah. Like really old one. video. And I was like, who the heck is this guy doing all this stuff? <laughs> I'm like, there's no way. So I like there was some interest behind it. And Sophia, like she's always been about thrifting. So we kind of just like merged together the idea. And I remember our first show. It was super hectic. It was a sneaker show. So all we had was a table. And we're like, we're going to bring two racks and put it on the side. It's a sneaker table. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're not going to be able to do that. But um, we were here just naive thinking. And it was until the next show we brought vintage. And we realized like, oh, wow, we're selling a few pieces here and there. And um, I don't know. It was just fun. It was interesting. And as we continued doing it, we started bringing more vintage. And then we started realizing... um, we don't really want to say we do this for the money, but just breaking it down, oh, yeah. selling a shoe for $180 and only making 200 that's 20 bucks profit. Right. Buying right. a t-shirt for five bucks and selling it for $20, that's $15 profit. We're just like, uh, what is it? My a first grader can do the math and realize <laughs> that this is better. Yeah, yeah. So we started doing it more and then we just found a love for it. Like we absolutely awesome. love it. That's so cool. Yeah. It's cool that you kind of found your way in through sneakers because mm-hmm. I feel like it kind of sometimes works the other way around like for me I was more into the vintage first and then like now I have a passing knowledge of sneakers mm-hmm. and hype and stuff but only because I've yeah. sold vintage and it's kind of the worlds are kind of intertwined a little yeah. bit mm-hmm. um, so it's definitely unique that y'all kind of came in that mm-hmm. way another thing that I know about y'all is that you you bring a lot, like you have really big boots and you bring a lot of t-shirts. Um, so what are the, uh, challenges to, uh, sourcing and processing that much inventory? I think we're always sourcing. Um, there's been like times in the week where, um, we'll take three weeks of like just straight sourcing and like, it's just, um, being that we bring so much and doing so many events, like there's just, um, I feel like the pandemic definitely, it might be controversial, but I think the pandemic like enhanced vintage and yeah. like um, consumer wise, more people wanted to buy vintage and um, it's just gotten, and you know, more like resellers have gotten into vintage. So it's gone harder to source, but there's more of like a want from consumers. Right. Um, so we're consistently like just going through just close, like just so fast and then um, a lot of times like we'll have customers, um, usually in our booth, like, you know, it's kind of common knowledge that if you, there, there'll be a difference whether a customer buys from you or not, if you talk to them. So like, if you talk to them and you greet them and just be genuine with them, they'll be more inclined to buy something from you. And if you just kind of just don't talk to them at all or don't acknowledge them, then they're, they, they might buy something, 
but if anything, they might go to another booth. So, um, I don't know if we, we, we just try to be more genuine with our customers and have a conversation with them. And a lot of them are looking for something that's vintage, but they don't know what they're looking right, for. So right. like we help them out, we help them, we give them different options and stuff like that. So, um, we just try to source like anytime that we can. And then just looking online as well. Um, and then like, we've gone even to like Mexico to go source cause I right. have family in El Paso and, um, we went down to, um, like this market and it was like probably a million degrees outside. It was so <laughs> hot. And then it was like, uh, pretty much as dirty as a rag house and like everything piled up on each other. Um, so we've even gone to like Mexico to go down and source, but we're consistently sourcing. Like we try our best to source like as much as we can, just cause we, we go through so much, but um, more so just because we want to um, have one of everything in our booth like we don't yeah. want to be like the average t-shirt seller so we want to be able to have like a girl come in or a guy come in and they can buy lingerie but they can also buy a nascar shirt or they can buy jinkos but they can also buy like um a true vintage shirt from the 60s yeah. so we want to be able to have like one of everything which is why we're always sourcing like so much because we want to have like a plethora of every single category yeah that's so cool i think you hit on like two really good um tips for like people that are trying to do this it's like the first thing you said like just talk to people yeah. <laughs> um you know you guys mentioned the difference between like introvert extrovert i've said it before i'm more introverted my wife's more extroverted <laughs> if my wife is with me like and we're both running the booth like I notice like the sales <laughs> they yeah. go up because she's just like she works in retail mm-hmm. um part time as well. So she's just that's just in her in her bones of like yeah. I'm gonna get everybody and just have a conversation with mm-hmm. them and it doesn't have to be pushy, just you know, connect with them a little bit. And yeah. mm-hmm. usually that bodes really well for your sales um compared to just sitting there. And I can't <laughs> tell you how many booths I've been in where it's like there's cool stuff here, but like Buddy's just looking mm-hmm. at his phone behind yeah. the table yeah. and I don't know that he's even going to acknowledge yeah. that I'm here, you know, so it does make a difference. And then the other thing um, you mentioned was just having that variety. Mm-hmm. And um, I think like so many people get caught up in like the one thing that they like. <laughs> um, and it's it's easy to do that, right? Like it's easy to, to find your thing and go all in. But it's like if you can kind of... Um, cast a broad net of like we've got a little bit of every mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. just t-shirts we've yeah. got all kinds of articles of clothing here like i think people will will kind of latch on to that so um shifting gears a little bit uh you guys i i feel like i kind of know you guys for being the like traveling yeah. vendors <laughs> um you guys travel a lot i feel like you're basically um just on tour with ThriftCon right. at this point. <laughs> um, so talk to me about that. What what are the um, what's the good, bad, and the ugly of um, of traveling for events? Let's see. The good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> the good is we love traveling, like going to different cities. Um, so far for ThriftCon, we've been to um, we've been to LA, we've been to Denver, Atlanta. Um, at the end of this month, uh, in August, we're going to be in Philadelphia. Right. So that's going to be pretty cool. Um, we, we absolutely love traveling. Um, that's, that's a plus for it. Uh, and plus we like going to thrift cons. What is it? Mm-hmm. We absolutely love thrift cons. Um, this is, I mean, going to events like every weekend, but getting to go to like people joke about the Super Bowl of like thrift, yeah, thrift events. Sure. What is it? It's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, the bad gas 
gas is definitely oh, yeah. the bad especially right um, now <laughs> definitely um that's something we think about before we go on to these events um just thinking about like the gas like um just doing quick calculations like okay we're gonna spend eight hundred dollars on gas it's just like little things you have to keep in mind of because um it's really easy to get caught up this is a big thing for us people saying like oh we made two grand at this event okay let's talk about how much you paid for the booth let's <laughs> exactly. talk about how much your airbnb was yeah. let's talk about how much your gas was so that's where the ugly comes into play like going on these trips does cost us a lot sometimes we spend between a thousand to fifteen hundred granted wow. like it's worth it with the amount of money sure, we do sure. make but it's just like something you got to keep in mind about like you got to put some money up front to get to these events but um it's like the saying in business you got to spend money to make money yeah sure um and the ugly, um, it, it's kind of funny. We have a running joke. Um, our business is named resilient and <laughs> it feels like we're always forced to be resilient. <laughs> like we feel like we're the most unlucky vendors because every thrift con, there seems to be something that happens. Like in LA, I felt like we were just super unorganized, uh, Denver, I remember Denver was going perfectly well. There was nothing wrong with it. But then like we were missing one tool and we had to scour the event Ugh. for one tool to put up our pipe and drain. Um, Atlanta was definitely the worst because um, I'll let Sophia talk about that. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, can I, every single thrift con it's something. And I remember in Atlanta, um, we um, stayed with Gerardo's, uh, with some of his family in, no, we stayed in a hotel. And then... Um, the, but the hotel was in Alabama, so it's like an hour ahead in Atlanta. So we had to leave an hour right, early, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. So we maybe left like at uh, 2 a.m. or yeah, something like early. that. Yeah, uh, We maybe left like at 2 a.m. And then um, we get to Atlanta and it jumps an hour ahead. And then um, so it's probably like 4 a.m. after all the driving. And then our call time was 5 a.m. for uh, ThriftCon. So maybe like 10 minutes before we get to the venue we're on the highway and then everything just stops and it's like 4 a.m in the morning and then um we pretty much every like everything stops and we're just sitting in our cars for like 20 minutes on the highway and then um there was like a big crash like ahead of us like a big pile up like um some of the cars were on fire i think like it was really really bad so then we were stranded there on the highway for the next like five hours and then like Oof. it sucked because like there was nothing we could do like right. we we were we were super close and we had like a, you know the 20 by 20 so um and we had brought a lot of stuff so it takes some time to set up so sure. we just had to you know kind of just sit there and just wait that's really all we could do just play the waiting yeah. game and then um when everything you know like finally cleared up um we get to the venue uh vip for thriftcon i think is at 9 a.m and then general admission is 10 a.m and um we ended up getting at the venue at 9 55 a.m oh, wow. so five minutes and then we're trying to like rush and then we get to our spot and someone else is set up in our spot like this oh, guy no. uh he bought a 15 by 15 but saw the empty spot so he set up all his stuff so we're trying to deal with that and then like um we're trying to set up the pipe and drape but we have maybe like one or two racks up and people are like just stepping all over our stuff, sure. stepping all over our pipe and drape. And then I I didn't hear it, but Gerardo <laughs> keeps telling me that apparently ThriftCon was playing like rave music. Yeah, so just <laughs> out loud. It felt like it was a movie scene. Like it was so hectic. I was so stressed. You're like I'm and in a fever dream right now. <laughs> there's just hype music playing behind me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it was just like, 
so much was going on. We were just trying to set up the booth. And then there's people like finding things in our racks that they're trying to buy. And here we are setting up, trying to like set up our booth. And it just sucked just because like there was nothing we could do. And we were so close to the venue as well. But um, yeah, just buying the waiting game. So a little bit more of a lighter question about traveling. <laughs> I want to know from each of y'all, what are your favorite um, snack and drink combos from <laughs> QT or Bucky's or 7-Eleven. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, my favorite snack is um, dill pickle flavored sunflower seeds. My go-to. I'll down a whole, like even if it's like a four-hour drive, I'll down a whole bag. Like I absolutely love them. Sophia, what is it? Like she'll see me having the big like uh, sip cup to put my like um, right. leftover seeds <laughs> yeah. And then um, for a drink, it would be a... Uh, I prefer zero sugar Red Bull, like in the black cans, but if they don't, I'll do sugar free. What is it? So I'll have that side inside. I love it. Nice. Um, <laughs> for me, um, I'm a hot Cheeto girl at heart. So I usually get like the flaming hot Cheetos, but like the extra ones, the ones in the black bag. Uh-huh. And then I'll buy like the little cheese dip and then I'll just dip my Cheetos in the little cheese dip and then. Uh, for drink, I don't know. I think orange Fanta or strawberry Fanta. Is or, uh, brisk. Or a brisk, yeah. Oh, brisk is amazing, yeah. But uh, hot Cheeto girl at heart for sure. So extra flaming hot Cheetos with the cheese dip and the brisk. Nice, nice. <laughs> Solid choices all the way around. Another thing I know about you guys is you guys do these awesome uh, dyed socks. So I was just curious about um, your process and kind of where that idea came from. I think it um, came from us seeing it on Instagram. Instagram or TikTok, yeah, something like that. Because I saw, um, like, even before we started dating, I had seen, like, dyed socks um, for the longest time. And I was like, oh, like, I would love to do that, like, whether it's taking Adidas socks or Nike socks mm-hmm. and just dyeing them. Um, and then I guess whenever we, uh, yeah, we saw it on Instagram or something, and he was like, you know, this would be really easy to do. We could just buy, you know, the dye and just do it ourselves. I think that's where we yeah and then i remember just going in my kitchen just with the big bin and getting writ dye and just yeah it. uh every time i do it my hands look like they're uh have like a black plague <laughs> or something like that <laughs> super funny. messy um but yeah no um starting off at these sneaker events because we thought we'll go hand in hand with sneakers right, it's right. just like uh yin and yang um so we started doing it and we started getting recognized for it and I don't know, it's just something we've always stuck with. And like like you're saying, people recognize it for us. And we're like, we like doing yeah, it. Yeah, just kind of a part of your brand yeah, now. It but adds a variety to the booth. Yeah, it's a really good idea. Yeah. I think it's a good word too. Just like try to think of those quick and easy things mm-hmm. that you can do that'll kind of just add value to it, set you apart a little yeah. bit. It's, so. a, it's a nice accessory. And it's also nice like um, just whenever people are um, looking to like build an outfit together, or just adding those little details, it's nice, like, because they get, like, diet socks, or, um, we do every now and then get those people that are, like, oh, like, why am I paying for it, like, I just do it by myself, but there's a lot of people that have told us, like, that it's, they just don't have the space for it, sure, or they don't have yeah. the time, or it's just a messy process, and they just rather yeah. just buy mm-hmm. it, so. Yeah, definitely, definitely easier, um, so we're kind of moving into the more, like, uh, the questions that are a little bit more about the ins and outs of reselling. So, um, this one's for each of you guys. Uh, what is your favorite type of item to find in the wild? Um, for me, 
I don't know. We like Sophia said earlier. We pick everything pretty much, but uh, I like looking through sweatshirts. Uh, that's just something with me because I feel like it's always cool to see like vintage sweatshirts and stuff like that. Because t-shirts are cool and everything, but I feel like t-shirts can get very mundane and boring. And I sure. feel like sweatshirts are just a little elevated. Um, but I mean, other than that, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say because we just pick through everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love pants. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I love pants. Like every time. If, if we're in a rag house or whatever, I go straight, I break my hip trying to get to the pants. <laughs> I love pants. Just more so just because like, um, I feel that pants are more essential and they're uh, like very, very easy way to up like an outfit easily because like you could be wearing like a regular t-shirt and sneakers, but changing the color of your pants, whether they be blue jeans and changing them to like olive green jeans or like um wearing printed jeans like just elevating an outfit could just be based on like the pant you wear and i don't know i just really like finding like vintage guest pants um ever i also really like looking through the pants because um i want to see if i can find jinkos oh my gosh i love <laughs> jinkos so i want to see if i can find any like rave wear and jinkos and just i've seen so many pants that are just like like Kuji pants that are so like printed on or ed hardy pants that have like the tiger patches um yeah and i just love pants so much <laughs> awesome yeah sophia i feel like you've kind of become known for your personal style so like do you think that vintage has kind of changed that for you and kind of like helped you bring in like new elements and stuff i think so for sure um because before it was kind of more so like um i don't know it's just a little bit more special to say that that's something is vintage because like before i wouldn't really shop like at malls i would more so thrift but like the cooler stuff i would get like forever 21 or urban outfitters but there's just a little bit something like i have this um these disco pants from the 70s that have sparkles all over them and um they're like beautiful flowy like they're they're just amazing and um you could probably find them online sure like at some mass retailer but it's just something special whenever you have like a really unique piece and for you to say it's vintage because you're you're not gonna find that on someone like you might Mm -hmm. be able to but you're not gonna find that on someone else compared to like if you get a piece a cool piece from urban outfitters it's cool but you're probably gonna see it from someone else exactly it has a little bit more of a like meaning to it if it's vintage because it's like you found it and like what was the probability of you finding something that cool so and also just vintage i feel like it's a little bit better because there's some history behind it like i really like um like the oj simpson tees just because like i'm obsessed like with the trial i've watched the documentary a million times (laughs) um so it's just like cool like if we uh, we have an oj simpson tea and it's just cool like uh talking about how people were standing on the side of the road selling the bootlegs and like seeing like the footage like on youtube or whatever it is so yeah i just think it's just it's just cooler yeah yeah definitely so what's kind of in the future for resilient what are your goals moving forward so one thing we always joke about especially now with doing pop-ups in the summer in this uh, 100 degree weather we're like we got to open a store we, we can't be doing this any longer. We got we to gotta open a store. But um, that's as cliche as it sounds. I feel like every vintage reseller wants to open up sure. a store. But um, it's something that we're just really passionate about because um, just doing pop-ups every weekend and just get, being able to interact with customers. Like we genuinely love what we do. Uh, probably like a year and a half ago, we would never imagine us doing this. But right. now that we're doing this now, we're just like, this is what we like to do. And essentially just... Um, 
it's one thing we talked about because um, just going to these other cities, we get to see the vintage culture in these other cities, mm-hmm. like uh, going to Rose Bowl in Los Angeles and just seeing all the different boots and how beautiful the curation is over yeah. there. Uh, going to Denver and going, there's this one, like one main street that has like six different vintage stores and like half of them are true vintage stores and just the aesthetic of them. Like it's just so beautiful and it's just kind of like, not to bash Houston or anything, but Houston, Houston's very like has that hype culture. What is right, um, right? All the vintage sellers there sells t-shirts. You can um, no shade to any stores there, but they sell t-shirts and pants. That's what they yeah, sell. Yeah, uh, and we would love to just bring it like kind of going back to our booth, how we have a variety of girl clothes, true vintage, just create like an experience in our store where it's like you can go in and find your own style or maybe you can experiment with another style, see like some inspiration from other people and just to create this like new culture. Mm -hmm. What is it? Just create a new experience. And that's what we look for in opening a store and just uh, essentially just continue doing this and just continue like just giving it our all and hopefully just creating like this atmosphere that makes people feel mm-hmm. quote unquote resilient. It's awesome. <laughs> Bringing it back home. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I definitely agree because more so, um, I'm, you know, obsessed with fashion and everything. And, um, I try to, I have like, I have a lot of hype pieces, but I try my best not to wear them like very generically, the like very trendy pretty much. Um, so I personally don't really like Houston fashion cause it's very, uh, mundane, very repetitive. Um, it's your average fitted hat <laughs> with yeah. a NASCAR shirt, basketball shorts, and some dunks. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Um, I just think more so you can just elevate the outfit better, make it better and make it more original. So it's not so repetitive. And, um, I don't know, I've been to New York, uh, like a couple months ago and i just just over there seeing the fashion over there was amazing seeing the fashion in la was amazing um and then even like we've done a couple of markets um in austin and the fashion over there is as well like pretty original um so we want to be able to besides like a couple of um shops um on Montrose street in houston there's not really a vintage store that sells like um one of everything and more so um we've been to mccallan a couple times and we've been to baby arcade over there and um she's this female seller who she specializes in um pretty much y2k and 2000s wear but she also has like like t-shirts like your generic or um like harleys and stuff like that but she has like the way that her store is the way that she's decorated it everything that she has in her store is so like perfectly curated like it's right. it's, it's it doesn't feel like your generic store like if you were to put her t-shirts that she has there into another generic like t-shirt reseller it would look bland but the way that she has it displayed and everything and just her curation is so nice um it just elevates everything so we more so want to have like a store where we can just have one of everything and where someone can come and have unique pieces compared to just another harley or another nascar shirt it's really awesome (laughs) that y'all are kind of thinking of the next level Mm -hmm. because like you said um a lot of people are doing it and they're just kind of putting the shirts on hangers and putting the hangers on racks and calling it a day but like what you guys are talking about is kind of that that next like you said elevated yeah (laughs) i think y'all both use that word it's like (laughs) it's that next level of we're kind of creating an experience not just you know selling t-shirts yeah what's one thing that most people don't know about you not to answer for both of us but we're both pretty young 
like uh so uh we met in high school we've been dating for three years um she's 19 about to turn 20 this month i'm 21 so like so a lot of people what is it especially whenever we first started they're like you're so young doing yeah. this and stuff <laughs> like that like uh you're 21 and you're driving to los angeles yeah. by yourself and stuff yeah you guys are definitely um super young <laughs> sorry to tell you the same thing that, that people tell you but um it's cool that you guys are are at it so young and um you kind of have a leg up in a way mm-hmm. you know to be yeah to have a brand that's kind of developed as yeah. much as it has um in such a short time so th- these are kind of the more rapid fire questions um one word answers are totally fine or you can uh, you know, expound a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Okay. What's your favorite piece that you've ever sold? The one that comes to my mind. Okay, it's two that comes to my mind. One is one that we recently sold, and it was like we got it. Uh, we were doing wholesale with someone, and we got it for fifty cents. And it was like this '90s shirt, but it had like cows, two cows on it, oh and it was goodness. like <laughs> it oh. was like one one woman cow, one male cow, and they had like western wear they both had like cowboy hats they had like bandanas but it wasn't just like the print it was like the actual like cloth bandana oh, on that's it cool. and like um it was just like the stupidest texan shirt <laughs> ever but i loved it so much i wanted to keep it so bad and then i guess another one of my favorite pieces it was like this uh puffer jacket and it was like a brown kind of like a off shade brown i guess i don't know and then it was uh coca-cola from the uh late 80s and it was a puffer jacket and um it was just like not your it wasn't like a puffer jacket where it's like too big Mm -hmm. but also just not like too like crappy material but it was like perfect perfect puff i don't know (laughs) and then it had like the coca-cola on it and i don't know it was just like such a beautiful piece and it was from the 80s as well so it was just like very soft like already broken into it was just beautiful the whole thing i loved it i was actually thinking about um so we actually sourced those like six different pieces of coca-cola uh it was from the 80s it's like delivery driver uniform yeah yeah it was super sick and i remember uh, it might not be one that she said but it was like this other one it was kind of like a detroit style jacket yeah, yeah yeah and it had like a liner on the inside i absolutely loved it and my thing is i don't like keeping stuff in the booth like sophia she'll be like oh i want this for my closet I want <laughs> yeah. this for my closet. but me i'm just kind of like i think of more of like the business i'm like okay if it doesn't sell this next event i'll keep it and sure enough uh we brought it out to thrift con and this guy bought it and i'm checking him out and i'm over here depressed checking him <laughs> out like, but i think that's probably one of my favorite pieces and I know in Denver we sold. Um, we love our Japanese clients. What is it? They're the absolute oh, yeah. best. Uh, in Denver, we sold a bundle. It was like this uh, smashing pumpkin tea. It was one of their newer albums. I can't really remember it. We had this Green Day tea, and it was this other band tea. But Pink it was Floyd. it was a Pink Floyd tea, and it was a very cool sale. It was just like I love Japanese clients. I, yeah. I the best. love that sale because the guy paid like uh, it was five hundred total. He paid in all cash. Wow. So I was like, so I, I he was like, you could just spread it because like, we had like the little cash marker, uh-huh. and I just started doing like random ones. He's like, you could just spread it out and do like the, the little the line, line check on the table. <laughs> and I thought that was amazing. What about current ISO Offspring Smash Tea? That's a tea I've been trying to get for a long while um right now i'm I'm obsessed with two shirts and one is um one that i saw online and it was a mick escher tea but uh times grateful dead so it's like 
like the Mick Escher like stairs print, but then it has like the Grateful Dead uh, bears all over it. And then another one is this super random NASCAR tee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even I don't know even if it's Jimmy Johnson or what's that one racer chick? It's a, it's a green NASCAR tee. All I know all it's I know. a white what it's a white tee and it has green NASCAR all over it, like the car and green print. And it's an AOP and I got it. I bought it a long time ago for like fifty bucks and I have no idea why, but I sold it. I have no idea why to this <laughs> day and I sold it. And ever since then, um, I've been trying to look for that shirt and I found it one day. This girl had just bought it and I told her like, I'll buy that shirt off of you like right now, please. I've been looking for that shirt forever. She's like, no, like she's like, I really like this shirt. So I'm going to keep it. Really long rapid fire I questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I like it because you can kind of take it as long as yeah. you want. Um, in-person thrifting or online sniping? I like in-person because I like trying on the clothes. Um, <laughs> I am, what is it called? Uh, vertically challenged. So uh, I had to try on the clothes Short before King. I buy it. Yeah. <laughs> online sniping. Oh my gosh. I love just like at home, just looking through Facebook marketplace, like Depop, more so just because like I got a bunch of um like Y2K Harley Davidson uh, sandals. They're all like platform sandals with like flames all over them. I got like four pairs all on Facebook marketplace from like a bunch of these 30 year old white ladies who were probably wearing Harleys like in their <laughs> teenage. Yeah, I love those shoes, but uh, I love sniping. Online sniping is my thing. What are y'all's uh, biggest pet peeves? Uh, and this can be related to vintage or just in general. I, th- I think they kind of tie in together, but I hate it whenever we get on our Depop like um like let's say we have a shirt for 50 bucks they'll uh message us they'll be like um 30 payment ready like you're supposed to be payment ready anyway (laughs) that and then also just um it's kind of the same uh attitude in houston events like we get a lot of people like that where they'll be like is this the lowest you can do? And then we'll we'll tell them like, yeah, you know, we'll probably stick to our price. Like let's say it's thirty dollars. And then they'll be like, I have twenty cash on me right now. Like you're gonna you're gonna have to pay anyway. Um, yeah, it's my yeah, biggest pet peeve. For that's sure. funny for me. It would probably be that as well. Houston's very cheap. It's just uh, just a culture of Houston. So like, even if we're selling a tea for twenty dollars, they're like, oh, could you do ten dollars for it? And it's just kind of like, uh, I mean, if you grab something else, I'm more than happy to like bundle, bundle with it, you. Yeah um but it's just that attitude and it's it's a little funny what is it um we do markets a lot and we actually double market sometimes so sophia will go to a market i'll go to a market like divide and conquer right and it feels like every time we do that i always get rude customers like customers (laughs) like bad uh bad mouthing me saying my prices are too high and stuff like that and for some reason it never happens to (laughs) sophia i've never gotten a rude and i'm so upset because i will tell a customer (laughs) off i will definitely put them in their place and tell them off because i have i have the time i won't <laughs> like you know i tell them whatever they need to be told but i've never gotten a rude customer and yeah. i think it's so unfair and also because he always gets the rude cu- yeah. like i promise you every single time we double market he's gotten like so many rude customers and i just think it's really unfair that i don't get any <laughs> i think it's fair because she'll she'll just blow up she'll completely blow up um but me i i can take it what is that uh, like by all means i'm annoyed but it's kind of like okay you do you boo i'm gonna do me 
why don't you all plug um, whatever you want to plug here? Um, Instagram, you mentioned Depop. Yeah. How can people find you guys online? Yeah, we're uh, going to be Resilient HTX on Instagram. And then it's pretty much the same on all our platforms along with TikTok. Depop is going to be Shop Resilient. Uh, but we also have our website, ResilientHTX.com. And yeah, TikTok is Resilient HTX. Pretty much all our platforms are going to be Resilient HTX and Depop is Shop Resilient. Yep. Awesome. You guys have any um, final thoughts or words of wisdom? I would have never imagined being 19 and like doing all this, just selling stinky, smelly old clothes. <laughs> um, I guess uh, this is just more so just to other like vendors or resellers. Um, don't limit yourself as well. Um, like if you want to go do like an event that's in a different city, maybe not even like in a different state, but in a different city or you've never like you want to go do something that you've never done before and you're scared like just go for it and like don't limit yourself because you're not going to know like what happened or how it's going to turn out if you didn't try it and um more so like i i want to see like more um female sellers as well just um like going out of their way to um do like these bigger events which can be really intimidating like just for like um a lot of um just toxic culture and um like there's a lot of female sellers that i know that um get imposter syndrome and um just go for it more as well because like i i would love to see more female vintage sellers go for it don't limit yourself try new things um let yourself mess up as well not everything is gonna be like perfect like there's been a lot of uh vendors who it's been who i've talked to it's been their first it's their first event and they're super nervous and i tell them like you know and they're all stressed out because they you know didn't plan out their booth setup <laughs> and it's just their first event and it's taking super long and blah 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 but um let yourself mess up because that's the only way you're going to learn and everything you do like is not going to be perfect and there's no other way for you to learn um what's the best way for you to do things if you don't mess up that was really good <laughs> uh, what is it uh for me i would say just uh going through this vintage thing um obviously we're fairly new to this we've probably been selling vintage consistently for like maybe a year and a half now going on that and i felt like getting into this there was not an intimidation but there was like this uh stigma where it's like old heads new heads and um i don't know my recommendation is like don't be intimidated by other sellers like there's a saying like you, uh, they put on their pants one leg at a time as well. Granted, they're at this point because they put the effort in, they put the time in. Who says you can't do the same thing? Like they might be at eight years, but soon you're gonna be at eight years. You're soon you're gonna have that um, booming pop-ups. Um, what is it? You might have a store in the future. What is it? as long as you put in that effort, you put in that work. That's just a big thing for us because we see it all the time. Like. It's kind of disappointing like even some stores shoot down like uh lower uh up and coming resellers yeah and it's just kind of like that shouldn't be the case because i mean like there's a saying like there's enough for everyone to eat and in the grand scheme of things there is as long as you put in the effort you put in like just to make yourself stand out like you're going to do exceptionally well don't let people talk down upon you like at all yeah I think that's an awesome place to leave it. I love y'all. I love your (laughs) attitudes um, about everything. I really appreciate you guys coming uh, all the way from Houston. (laughs) (laughs) I know you've got a DFW swap uh, tomorrow. So uh, best of luck uh, to you guys on that. And uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Awesome. (laughs) 
I got so much out of listening to Resilient, and I hope you did too. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Can't Heat Pod and DM us if you have any feedback about the show or you'd like to suggest a guest for a future episode. It can be anyone who you think is creating something special related to vintage. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to wash cold and hang dry.